Welcome to the Seedle Pie Podcast. This is the place where we get to peek into excellence in teaching and learning at Madison College by connecting with and learning from our colleagues. I'm your host, Jessica Fegested. Welcome to today's Seedle Pie Podcast. My guest is Chef Catherine Pippett, uh, one of our Madison College part-time faculty in the Culinary Arts Program. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here. Now, Catherine, can I call you Cat? Absolutely. Because I, I think we've been in professional development things before, and you've said, call me Cat. So I was like, I think I can call her Cat, but I just yes, wanted to make sure. Yes, please call me Cat. I, I always lead with Catherine, because if I say Cat, then some people hear Pat. There's a big difference. Ah, uh, yes, yes, I can understand <laughs> that. <clears throat> and my sister is a Catherine, so I, uh, uh, but spelled completely differently than you, yours, and she does not go by cat, so I, that's why I was like, okay, I gotta ask for sure to make sure that's right. But yes. I thought that was, I thought that was the case. So, um, I, like I say, I've met you in, in several of our professional development experiences before, um, but I don't know a lot about your background other than the fact that you teach in our culinary arts program. So I'd love to know about, um, you know, how you got to Madison College, what your experiences were before the college and, and kind of what you do other than teach at the college too right now. Okay. So that's a lot. That is a lot. So break it up however you'd like. I'll do my level best. I, rem- I remember hearing about the culinary program probably when I was 25, 27, something like that, and thinking, wow, that'd be kind of cool. And I had a couple of experiences. I, I think your question asked, you know, what inspired you to come to culinary school? And I, it was indeed inspiration. I had a couple of really wonderful experiences in some fine dining situations where I went to a fancy dinner and I was blown away by the service, by the kindness, by the food. Oh my gosh. I was a really picky eater as a child. And so as my taste buds began to grow, I said, I want to learn to cook like that. I want, I want to, that's, that's what I want for my life. Whether it's for just me and my husband or any kids we were going to have, we ended up not having kids. We have dogs. It's okay. I bet the dogs probably appreciate your cooking. They don't mind that at all. We're very happy for all the scraps that we, we try to be very judicious about the scraps. Um, so yeah, I finally decided to come to culinary school in ooh, 1997, 98, something like that. Graduated in 2000. I took the two-year culinary program, but I took about three years to get through it. Yep, from here, from Madison College. From Madison College. College. MATC at the time, probably, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to work at one of those places that I had had one of those excellent fine dining experiences because I was like, that's my goal. That's where I want to be. So I worked there for a couple of years, Um, learned a lot. Worked the the line, worked upstairs in the sort of accounting and front of the house type of thing, taking reservations. Um, And then I saw an ad in the paper, baking lab assistant, Madison College. I'm like, whoa, I could work there? Let's go apply for that. So I did. I became a lab assistant for the former director of the baking and pastry arts program, and I was a lab assistant there for about three years. Mm -hmm. Um, At some point, I got distracted and drifted away from food. I drifted into the court reporting program, (laughs) which was wonderful. I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. learning that language and learning how to write fast. And how to use those machines. That was so cool. (laughs) That that would be very cool. It was really fun. The part that wasn't fun that I discovered along my journey was that sitting in cold courtrooms, listening to people 
<laughs> that wasn't argue. your thing. <laughs> Not my thing at all. And I, I didn't quite get to my speeds. I had finished almost everything else. I was like, okay, now what? Well, let's go back to retail and see what's what. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, I get a phone call. I have three sections of baking fundamentals. Do you want to teach? What? I, I can't teach. Are you kidding me? I'm not. Don't worry about it. You got a great personality. Do this. <laughs> okay. If that's what it takes, then yeah, let's try this. So that was in 2014, and I've been here ever since. Awesome, awesome. And your um, and your passion seems like lies in the baking side of, of culinary arts. Yes, yes. So how did that how did that come about? How did how did that evolve? That was kind of organic. The first clo- the the first course I took here was the baking class okay fundamentals and the baking lab sanitation I think I took nutrition that first semester um I really gravitate towards baking always have when I was in high school I remember taking a foods class and I was over the moon for this silly pound cake with chocolate chips that I could make from scratch I thought I had arrived (laughs) it was everything so um yeah but I think I've just always liked to bake okay and um yeah, I, I wanted the full experience of culinary school, but I was I was a baker for sure. And you've been to um, pastry school in Chicago. Well, I did a couple of little um, courses mm-hmm. through the French pastry school. I spent I think three or four days um, at the school. This was before COVID. With a oh boy, my French is bad. I'm just going to say MOF M O F. It is basically the winner of a competition that they hold every four years to say this is the best worker of various crafts in France. So there was at least one there and he was teaching the spreads course. It was ridiculously amazing. I've also taken a couple of online courses through the French Pastry School through their online service Ruby, R-O-U-X-B-E. Cool classes. I like those folks. I like them a lot. Neat. I kind of wish I could spend more time in Chicago hanging out with them, but that's okay. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty amazing that uh, getting some of those extra experiences in there and, and then, you know, I'm sure those translate well into the classroom with your students. Yeah. And, and so um, here in the culinary program, you teach the baking course that's part of the culinary program. Because we also have a baking and decorative arts program that's a separate program from culinary. Obviously, they're they're in similar spaces and they collaborate very often. But yes. um, so how is how is that different or the same than than the baking and decorative arts um, program and the course that you teach? Sure, I can certainly speak to what I know at sure. the very least. Um, my what I teach is culinary students and teach them the basics of baking. We walk through a whole array of cookies, cakes, quick breads, pot of choux, pastry cream, all of those different things. And we get about a week on each of those things. And that's one lab that's about four hours long. So it's not very in-depth. Okay. It's an introduction to those fundamentals. Sure. Whereas the folks in baking and pastry arts, they've got a one-year program where they're always making something. And they've got days and days, you know, four days a week where they're focusing on different baked goods. Um, theirs is a one-year program, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. We have options of either a one-year technical diploma or a two-year associate's degree. Okay. If you went, I believe, through the technical diploma, that's a lot of lab classes to just get you acquainted with how to cook mm-hmm. and get you out there working. Okay. Second year, those studies are the accounting, the 
the other core curriculum courses to get you more closer to managerial status. Okay. Okay. And I would, from what little I know too, of like the baking and decorative arts program, some, and I'm sure this is not their total focus, but they're more focused maybe on like commercial baking. Correct. So at scale. Production levels. Yes, absolutely. So, and what you're teaching is, is small scale, right? Yes. Much smaller batches. Something, something where a student can make a pie crust, for example, and have some success. I'm not going to have them make 40 of them on the first day. That would be unrealistic (laughs) of of my scope. Yeah. Okay. And speaking of pie, I was so excited. I I went like, I asked you to to come on the podcast, not because you would know about pie, but then I just had this light bulb moment that I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, of course she might actually know about pie. And then Kat, what are you teaching this week? Pies. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was like fate. Fate. Uh, Yes, exactly. So, um, so I'm just going to ask all the pie questions right now and get those all out of the way because that's the most important thing. Um, So (laughs) do you have a favorite kind of pie to make? Do you have a favorite kind of pie to eat? Are they Mm. different? Are they the same? And more importantly, what are the secrets to good pie? That's so that's like, I know, like we can be here at half hour just on talking about pie. Let me refer to my notes. Here. Yes, I know that. I was like, <laughs> let's just get to the good stuff right now. Pie to eat, pecan. Okay. All the way. If I'm at Thanksgiving, that's the one I'm going to gravitate towards. If I had a close runner up, it would be something like a sweet potato pie. Okay. Not pumpkin. Meh, not so much. Um, as far as uh, favorite pie to make, fun could be defined as something that's really challenging and that I can actually sort of mostly do, or if I pull it off, I'm like, yes. Um, That is something called a Basque cake, Mm. which is super fancy. It's not that fancy. It is that fancy. It has uh, a short dough crust and this beautiful pastry cream filling, which is rich and delicious, and then cherries in the middle. Oh, And there's so much butter in the crust that I find myself arguing with it heartily heavily because it just doesn't want to roll out and then go in the pan I think I'm just next time I make it just going to smash it in there (laughs) because it's so full of butter it doesn't want to roll but when you pull that sucker out of the oven and it gets cold or cools off oh my gosh it's delicious and when people go "Ooh, that's amazing then I, I have arrived that yeah. sounds, that sounds great. Yeah. Now, is that something that you actually like have a recipe for that you can share with us? Oh, maybe. It's or a, find a recipe. It's, it's one from the French pastry school. So I would uh, be happy to, that uh, would be, that would be know. really cool. We could actually like put that, put a pie uh, recipe in our show notes, show notes for the pie podcast. I could put one easier to like a, a decent pecan pie recipe. Oh, sure. So for those of you who are not overachievers. <laughs> <laughs> for, for those of us that ha- don't watch all the shows and think that we can do all oh. the things that that all the all the shows say we can do yeah Um. (laughs) and as far as like making a successful pie crust Mm -hmm. this is something I tell my students and it's just right in my brain cold butter cold liquid don't overwork it that's pretty much it that's how you get the nice flaky yeah crispy crust yeah and and keep it cold if it starts to get warm and melty or sticky get it back in the fridge don't work with warm pie dough no soggy bottoms no soggy bottoms <laughs> yeah right we don't want that yeah yeah but temperature is really key for that so yeah awesome awesome so what are what are some of the other um skills that you that you teach in in your classes i try to reinforce cleanliness 
first and foremost. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you from everyone that's going to eat your students' work, right, in the future. Yep. Uh, Timeliness. Let's be on time to class. Thank you very much. Because if I don't train them now, they'll just show up whenever they want to to a job. Not good. Organization. That's a really hard one for students to kind of figure out is like, okay, my station is a disaster. How could I make this better? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, being able to follow the recipes and the procedures that are listed there. Um, oh, I've got a great story about what happens when students don't follow recipes. Oh, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> love to hear it. I just had one set of students one year, and they decided they wanted to make their scones extra sweet. So they put in an undetermined amount of sugar into their scones. Okay. And we have a term for those. They were called scookies <laughs> because they just spread because sugar makes things spread. So they were, they were sort of scones, but they were very flat. <laughs> they were scookies. They were still pretty tasty, but it's like, guys, you have to follow the recipe. You, you can't, can't just you can't, mess with no. baking. It's science. It's, yeah. You can't freewheel. Or if you do, you have to know what ingredient does what thing, what creates strength, what creates shortening, you know, what, what shortens gluten strands. Mm-hmm. That's really important. So, yeah. And that's what I try to tell my students, but they always want to experiment. Yeah. I suppose if, you know, culinary students, I would think maybe are coming, you know, thinking, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a chef. I want to be, I want to be a chef. I want to be able to be, or cooking on a line and, and mm-hmm. throwing, you know, kind of throwing together ingredients that I think taste good and whatever measurements, you know, mm-hmm. make makes sense to me. Um, and baking's not like that. Not really. You know, you can play a little bit with flavors. Sure. You know, I, I, a little lemon zest in with your blueberries for your muffins. Fine. Go for it. But to really alter the proportions of a good formula, bad idea, unless you really know what you're doing. Yeah. Or if you're going to do it, do it one ingredient at a time and write it down. Sure. Science is writing it down. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, or, you know, don't change like the conditions of how it's going to bake. I, I am, I'm a very much amateur baker, but I bake and, um, <laughs> my sister does not at all. <laughs> and she recently was asking me for a family recipe for a, a, a raspberry sour cream coffee cake. That's Ooh. absolutely delicious. Yes, please. And she's sending me pictures saying it's not baking, it's not baking. And I'm like, what size pan are you using? She put a like a recipe that was for like a nine by thirteen pan and like a I think all of it in like a much smaller pan so it got so much thicker and very I'm like, dense mm-hmm. yeah I'm like girl <laughs> that is not <laughs> that is not how you do that yep. so but that's not her wheelhouse at all but I'm like you can't mess around with that stuff um, you know or again you need to understand what's mm-hmm. going to happen when you start messing around with these things there it's. It's not, um, it's not something for everyone. And I mean, and that's why it's like, that's why we have classes. That's exactly. why we have degrees. You right. have to learn the right uh, and wrong ways to do things. And, and this is a safe place to mess it up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think organization and, and time management and those kinds of skills is, are, are fantastic too. And <laughs> when you said organization of, of like ingredients and your work area, I kind of laughed to myself because that is also not me whatsoever. Like I see all these, um, you know, again, these baking and, and cooking shows and um, some of them do, you know, the chefs are very clean and neat mm-hmm. and 
like I would be the disaster of everything everywhere. When I bake Christmas cookies, it's like flower city everywhere. So yeah, yeah, not that's why I'm amateur and not a professional whatsoever. It it, it definitely (laughs) takes a while to build those skills. Absolutely. It has to drive you nuts for it to go away. Yeah, I'm sure. No, this cannot be. And you stop and you clean and you fix it. And okay, this is this is my workspace yeah. and I can, I can think now. Yeah. And you need to have it that way when you're working, you know, and certainly in a commercial space and, mm-hmm. and other people are going to be eating your food. Yep. For sure. Um, so you, have you primarily taught, I guess the, the baking course, is that in that, uh, technical diploma, cl- um, and I guess obviously the sec- the two year degree too, but it's in the technical diploma. Do students in the diploma do they work in Diane's uh, Delicious Diner, or um, is that class part of that at all, or is the students part of that? Eventually, okay. So most of my students are first year students. Okay. The folks who are working in Diane's Delicious Diner are generally advanced skill students, and that's second year. Okay. Now I do have a couple of second years in my courses now because they just didn't get that course last fall. Fine. We, mm-hmm. we, we can work with this. Mm-hmm. Usually those folks are pretty high achieving and they can catch up pretty quick. Um, so yeah, not just yet, but they will next year if that's, if that's where they decide to go. Sure. And so for those of our listeners, our seven listeners that don't know uh, what Diane's Delicious Diner is, can you explain that a little bit? Sure. That is a student-run dining area, beautiful space downstairs with big glass walls and gorgeous tables, where the second-year students will cook the a lunch, mm-hmm. the three-course, I believe, for the general public. Mm-hmm. And the other half of the students that are in that cohort will wait the tables. So it's students waiting tables, students making food for tables. And it's... It's a delightful, it's a great experience to be a student who I, I was a student in the previous dining room mm-hmm. and to make the food one day and wait tables the next day. It's a really well-rounded experience and it's a little terrifying to wait tables. If you've never done it before, it is, oh my, I had my eyes opened, right? Just taking an order for a four top is daunting, right? <laughs> Am I going to get it all right? Am I going to get it all down? And how are we going to get that food out to the table and not drop it all over the floor? <laughs> It really makes the back of house appreciate the front of house and vice versa so that, yeah, the students do, like you say, get that full, well-rounded experience. And I've been a diner in, um, diner in the diner several times, and it it is really a fine dining gourmet experience. Mm -hmm. Um, this, uh, you know, the name diner doesn't always necessarily think you might not think that, but, um, if, if you haven't, uh, had a chance to go listeners take a take the time and go because it's it's really fantastic and it does take a little bit of time because they are making everything to order and um you know and it's student led and so uh it takes you know an hour hour and a half or so but it's really fantastic food and um I mean like food like you get at any five-star restaurant I mean it's um it's really truly gourmet fantastic food and then you get to uh give the feedback, a little bit of feedback to the students afterwards of how the server did. And, you know, and again, that's great experience for them in that safe space. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really great. And it's fun to come down and, and, you know, bring some friends from the public or meet some other faculty members or staff members and, and have some lunch down there. So get started a little bit into the semester though, because it, you know, students got to ramp up and, and learn. So it'll be starting up 
probably, I want to say early October, 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 something like that. I thought I saw a date, but I won't put a date out there in case I'm incorrect. Yeah. So it's not right away in the beginning of the semester, but it does, does go. So it's a, it's a great experience. And, um, I think I just wanted to make sure mentioning culinary today that we definitely talked about that. Um, so I've mentioned a little bit, uh, a couple times alluded to the, you know, the cooking and baking challenge TV shows. Um, you know, my background is interior design, so I get it uh, with the, the HGTV um, blessing and curse. Um, and so I feel like anytime I, I interview someone who may be in a similar boat, uh, like with the food shows, to find out what you, how do you feel about the, the, the baking, you know, challenge shows, you know, and do they how do they affect your students' expectations about uh, the program? Yeah, I, I do wish that the listeners could see my eyes rolling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right Cat's face went, hmm. <laughs> I have a bone to pick with reality cooking shows. I don't really like reality TV shows in the first place. They're, well, they're not real. Exactly. Right? Thank you. <laughs> yes. And I really don't like reality cooking shows. I don't think they show what you might actually expect working in the industry. And reality TV is all about drama. Drama is the last thing you want in a kitchen. (laughs) The last thing, right? You should be working as a team, not sabotaging each other's ingredients, not racing for a cooler to get what you need and uh, yelling at each other and things like that, right? Yeah, no. No, we tell, we don't yell, Mm -hmm. right? That's good management. All of the other swearing and whatever is going on with that guy, no. Right. (laughs) Just please, no. Don't work for those people. Because there are better people to work for. Yeah. And so I, I don't love them. I, I, and I think it sets students up for an expectation that we're, we're, that's not us. That's not what we do. And that's not what a lot of people in the industry do. Mm-hmm. You're there to serve the guests. You're there to take care of your station and your fellow coworkers. That's, that's service. That's what we're doing. We're not yelling at each other and screaming and fighting over ingredients and making hot flames and Sorry, I got to flailing and hit the mic. I apologize. <laughs> We're very passionate about this topic. That's okay. Uh, so yeah, you know, working as a team is much more fun mm-hmm. and and much more the goal in a real restaurant situation. Sure, that's that's the rush that we all chase. Once we've had it, it's like oh, more of that, please. That was that's really fun, not tearing each other down. Yeah, yeah. And do you think? I guess has there has there been anything? good that's come out of those those shows do you think absolutely (laughs) um you may have heard of the series the bear on hulu Mm -hmm. it seems every student has watched it i have finally finished watching it what i love about it and i never ever thought i would be this person is that everybody seems to say yes chef all the time now (laughs) i don't have to tell them to say yes chef they just do (laughs) nice (laughs) it's delightful you know and it's taken me a long time to come to that title of chef. I earned it by getting my certified working pastry chef certification with the ACF some years ago. And that, that calls me a chef. Mm -hmm. Have I run a kitchen before? No. Do I run my labs? Yes. Okay. That makes me chef. Right. So, and, and I don't want to be that person with a crazy attitude, but I know that students might run into people who need to be called chef. Sure. So for them to develop the habit to say, yes, chef now, fine. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, some good things have come out of it. Yeah, um, absolutely. But oh, I don't know. Reality TV. Yeah. Just go bye bye. Those, okay. those expectations versus what's actually, what actually happens. And 
it can be tough or, or if you, if you, I don't know, I, every once in a while we'd get a student who really was like, I want to be here because I want to be on TV. And it's like, cool. Not sure how likely that is to happen. It could be a long road. Yep. (laughs) If that's what you really want, let me know. I will try to figure out how to help you achieve your goals. Right. But let's make sure we have those foundations first. Exactly. You still need to do all the things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and maybe it gets a little bit of interest in, in cooking and Absolutely. baking, you know, and yeah. gets, get some students in. And it's certainly how I got kind of curious about cooking, watching Julia Child, watching Jacques Pepin, watching, mm-hmm. you know, all of those older cooking shows that were not nearly so dramatic. British Baking Show. Right. Uh, introduced me to products I'd never seen before. So yes, please. That's, and that, that's some good drama. That's a little bit of, a little bit of friction, but not negative right yeah 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 I can see that yeah just showing students that it's really like you say it's about the teamwork and about the guests and not about that conflict that has to be there because that's not really what what you want in a workplace no no no, definitely not um and uh, hopefully you know, students are, are thinking, you know, thinking ahead to where they, you know, where they do want to work or what they, you know, what they want to do with their um, careers once they, once they leave and get their, get their degrees. And, and so, you know, that's what you want to prepare them for, for sure. So, um, you know, thinking back on things that you have done with your career and, um, I'm curious if there's something in particular that has been like, particularly memorable or um, an experience or project or I don't know, something that you'd want to share with us that has kind of stands out. Sure. Um, The department said, sorry, the department at some point asked us all to get certified with the American Culinary Federation. Okay. And I did. And I earned my certified working pastry chef certification in 2017. And that's all involved in taking a written exam, taking some sanitation management and nutrition courses. And the big one is this big bench test where you have to make various products within a four hour window. Okay. Decorate a cake. You don't have to bake the cake, but you have to decorate the cake. I'm not a great decorator. I'm getting there, but <laughs> um, yeah, make a strawberry tart with the pastry cream, make the, the tart casing, slice the strawberries. It was, a, it was a big exam and a lot of components and worrying about, okay, when can I cook this? When do I prepare that? And having all of your ingredients ready the night before you dive in and you've got four hours to get it done. And something that came that I learned from that experience is, okay, take criticism well because I did a lot of practice runs beforehand to make sure that that I was ready for that Mm -hmm. test Um, and I have lovely colleagues who always had opinions god bless them (laughs) (laughs) and you know to to have a good day yay or have a bad day and walk out of here crying that, that happened absolutely but to know that I had good feedback from my colleagues And I started to really build a big prep list of this first, this second, this third, this fourth, et cetera. To have that list and to just come in, do the thing, check it off. Do the thing, check it off is invaluable to me. Maybe that's not everybody's jam, but when you get in there and you're nervous and Mm -hmm. you need that 
that cushion, that something to grab onto, that prep list is your best friend. This is the plan. Don't deviate from it. Go. So, and I try to bring that back home to my students and suggest that maybe that's something they should consider. You know, here's what I'm doing right now. What's my next step? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm doing that next step. Now what? Now what? What's next? Yeah. I was going to say, is there anything comparable to that kind of experience in your classes or in the program for students that where, where they'd have like a, you know, a set amount of time to do? You know, certainly in my baking labs, I have them make at least a couple of products. It, mm-hmm. it can't hurt for them to think about getting ingredients. Okay, there's that. Now what else do you need to execute? I need my sheet pans. I need a scoop. I need a bench knife. I need all these other little pieces. Make a list and go shop for them once as opposed to running around the kitchen five times for them because that's inefficient and, right. you know, hurts your feet after a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That again, that organization and that mm-hmm. planning ahead. Yeah. And it's not just, it's not just baking amazing tasting things. Mm-hmm. It's all the stuff that goes into it yep. that, that they have to, well, what a um, fantastic experience for you and congratulations. Thank that's, you. Um, Thank you. That sounds like uh, no small feat. That's for sure. Feather in my cap. Yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of that certification. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned you mentioned teamwork and collaboration mm-hmm. um, before too in your classes, and I would imagine that there. It sounds like you probably need to do some um, conscious effort in that area. There are certain things that you do to foster that sense of community and engagement in your in your classroom. Ah, teamwork, cleaning. Right? <laughs> That's. They got time to lean, you got time to clean. Thank you. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. You know, they bake individually, but they end up cleaning up and washing dishes as a team. Okay. Because once they realize that they can all do a couple of dishes and boom, it's over, it's done, it's it's wonderful. And they're like, wow, we got out of here on time. Yeah, you did, because, you know, otherwise you were standing around waiting for something to happen and I suggested that you clean oh hey yeah we could do that That, that's a good idea let's do that yeah so I I think they get some um I hope some joy out of coming together and cleaning and and getting that that kind of thing done Mm -hmm. well that sense of accomplishment of like hey we did all this baking here's our awesome products and now let's like you say let's clean it up let's move on yep now how how does that work I guess this is going to sound like a silly question but when the students bake things in class, are you the only one that's tasting them or is everyone tasting them or is anyone tasting them? How do, you know, if it's something like, if it's something like cookies, then we can all kind of taste something like we made pies today. Those guys are still hot. I'm not putting my mouth on that hot burning <laughs> sugar. So they take them home and I assume that everything is fine. We don't have any dangers there of having too much baking soda or some, some fault in the product. Sure. Um, you know, if there was something really crazy, I would see it. But pies usually come out just fine. It's yeah. a matter of getting them done on time and getting them baked and, you know, in boxes to go home. So <laughs> not always a necessity to, to taste everything as, no. as you go. Yep. That's that's probably a good thing because uh, yep. it could, could get to be a lot after a while. Mm, believe me, <laughs> I, I used to give a final exam for this course where they would have to make, I don't know, four to six products for me at the very end and... I had to taste all the pastry cream and all of the pot of shoe and all of the quick breads and all of the cakes and oh, 
it was rough. And, and you know, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> like at first it sounds like a dream. Oh, sure. <laughs> you know, but there's only so many pastry creams you can taste in a day, it turns out. <laughs> After the 10th or 11th one, you're like, that's it. You know, and sometimes they're chunky. and. <laughs> Yeah, I, c- I can imagine if it's not, qu- it didn't quite turn out right. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. may or may not actually want to be uh, <laughs> taking part in that uh, too much. But that's interesting. Yeah, I've, I've often wondered that. I, I've seen, you know, the, the um, students more, I've seen the students cooking in the culinary, the, mm-hmm. the you know, the lunches and dinners and, and those kinds of entree type meals and, and seen that they typically kind of looks like they maybe set them out and kind of taste, taste them. And, but I wondered about the baking. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just kind of depends on the product really. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So, um, you know, you, so you've been to the college for almost 10 years teaching and then obviously some other experiences with the, the baking, um, lab coordinator, lab assistant and, and some other things. So, um, I'm curious if there's any particular like teaching technique, tip, resource that you might use that you think could be something that could help someone else at the college. I wish I had something really super specific, um, but I, I think the advice that I came up with in, in thinking about this question was don't be afraid to roll your own. Don't be afraid to take the bad PowerPoints that your publisher gives you and make them your own. (laughs) Get rid of the bullets and make them more interesting and less a wall of text and, and get, get yourself some more skills as a presenter. Mm -hmm. Um, Make videos. I made a bunch of videos during lockdown so that students would have those procedures available to them because we shortened lab during 2020 Mm -hmm. to a three hour period instead of before. And so they needed to see those procedures beforehand to be familiar with them. So I made videos with my iPhone. Now, all of these are super overachieving activities, right? PowerPoints can be really time consuming. And I make videos of those too. Making those videos and editing them was ridiculously time consuming. I also loved it because I learned a thing. Um, And if that's not your jam, I like Kahoot quizzes. I like Quizlet flashcards to help students um, you know, practice terminology retrie- and mm-hmm. terminology and, and retrieving Retrieval. that information mm-hmm. before and even after they've taken a quiz. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I didn't do well. What am I doing wrong? Go to Quizlet and practice. Then come back and take the quiz again. If that still doesn't work, let's have a conversation. So, um, yeah, don't be afraid to kind of do your own thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I would imagine. Um, I taught one semester part-time, so I don't have a lot of experience <laughs> teaching part-time, but, you know, walking in to a class that maybe was handed to you as a part-time instructor, you know, feeling like, you know, can I make this my own? Should I make this my own? How do I do that? And, and it sounds like you really have done that. Definitely over the course of, oh goodness, yeah, nearly 10 years. Um, I, when I first came to the college, I stuck right to the factory issued PowerPoints and right to the book because I was like, okay, I'm just going to teach to the book and hope for the best because I did not know what I was doing. It was <laughs> grand. <laughs> but as I got more comfortable yeah. with, with the material and well, you know, I'm not sure I agree with that or not. And, and just started playing yeah. with what I had and it's evolved into all sorts of complex work and stuff, but that's, that's okay. I, I, I enjoy doing that much work for my students. 
Yeah. And it helps when you know if you're going to teach the same class over again, certainly. Yes. Um, that you can invest the time into yeah. that yeah. and 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 effort and uh, that you're going to see that come come to fruition and and that effort's really going to be worth it in the long run for sure um because yeah if if you don't know that it's it is harder to to want to put that much extra work into a class for sure exactly um and not everybody has that luxury um as a part-time instructor to necessarily know perhaps if they're going to be able to teach something again so i'm glad that you've been able to teach over and over again for us um and, you know, I have, um, I mentioned, I think at the beginning that, that I met you through our, um, CETL professional development experiences, I think, uh, in the past. And, um, perhaps that may be where you've gotten some of these fantastic ideas <laughs> for improving your teaching. Uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm curious if there has been a professional development experience that made, has made an impact on your teaching and, and, um, what that was like and how that has changed what you do or tweaked what you do? Sure. I've actually got two that kind of come to mind. Um, the first, I'm going to go ahead and toot your horn about oh. <laughs> grading for equity. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> no, I didn't I, tell you. No. <laughs> grading for Equity Book Club was a lovely experience to get acquainted with that book, get acquainted with other instructors, and learn kind of more what other folks are doing, and to get permission, I felt like, to give students some grace. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a wonderful graphic out there and it's a big circle and the caption above says why you should be kind. And inside that circle, there's a little tiny dot and that dot is labeled someone's life. And sorry, the big circle is labeled someone's life and the little dot is labeled what you know about it. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know what's going on in my students' lives. I like to think I do. I was like, ah, oh, you're just so-and-so or you're, you're really busy with work, but you still got to get my stuff done. It's like, you know what? I can give you some time and space. And just this semester, I've had some folks with all kinds of issues and I'm like, you just, you just sit down and take care of yourself. It's okay. Um, I have what I call best buy dates for mm-hmm. my grading or for my for my work I say you know it's best if you can get the work done within the same week it's signed if you don't do it soon you have till the middle of the semester to get stuff done for the first eight weeks after that not so much weeks eight on to 16 I'll let you turn it in right up to the not the last minute but Towards the end. Towards the end, right? (laughs) Because nobody wants to grade that much at the end. No. Um, So, yeah, I really try to be flexible with my students. I give them lots of do-overs. I give them three attempts at every quiz. Um, I try to make my my class not so hard. And then sometimes they take a little advantage of that because they do have other deadlines and other courses. Other instructors are not me, and that's okay. They have their preferences. It's fine. Um, But anyway, I just felt like grading for equity gave me a whole lot of permission to give some students some grace. That's that's really nice to hear, yeah. and I do um, I do remember talking about about many of those things in that uh, in that book club, and and in particular how you um, allowed students to do the redos, which I think is is you know is really helpful because I mean. When's the last time I learned anything on the first try? You know, I can't remember. Probably I, never. I, I didn't learn to ride a bike on the first try. I didn't <laughs> learn to run on the first try. So why should I expect students to remember the difference between baking soda and baking powder on the first try? Or to convert a large number of ounces into pounds and ounces like they barely grasped the math. Let's give you another chance. Yeah. So, um, 
Was there a second? There was a second. Um, and it wasn't so much the course. It was the person teaching the course. I'm going to shout out to Kathy Jockman because I think I took one of the Magic 7 with her. And I think it was one of my very first courses. And when I came into the room, it was one of these fancy classrooms with the beautiful tables and the lights and the screens on either side of the room. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then there's Kathy, who's this ray of sunshine, who's just like, hi, I'm just friendly, welcoming hospitality, right? And that's that's a a subject that keeps coming back to my little mind as I work in food and service. Mm-hmm. And and so she was just so welcoming and warm and, and lovely. And so I've just always remembered that. So oh, that's so nice. it is, it's something I aspire to. I'm not always great at it, but I aspire to that. So well, I always think that you're very um, welcoming and, and cheerful and oh, thank you. lovely to talk to. So I don't think I probably would have invited you on the podcast if I hadn't thought that, uh, okay. you know, let's face it. Uh, but uh, I can I can see that. So thanks. Thanks for shouting that out as well. Um, are, is there anyone um, else at the college that you you would want to acknowledge that, you know, supports your work as a faculty member, maybe someone who's not a another faculty member at the college that um, has helped you or students or um, your classes and uh, that you can think of? Um, well, the, the people that come directly to mind are the people I work with, you know, whenever I come into the building, we've got Chef John who makes sure that I've got all the ingredients I need, Chef Kevin who listens to me whinge and ask questions. <laughs> um Chef Paul, who was my instructor when I was uh, a wee lass, and he was the one who actually called me and said, hey, I need this. I need these classes taught and believed in me through school and after school and then called me to work here. I'm like, wow, OK. Um, yeah. So, you know, all of those are just my colleagues. Yeah. And I, I enjoy working with all of them. That's that's great. And it's so I mean, it, it is so important when I think uh a part-time faculty member can be supported well by the full-time faculty members in their area because it's it's a team, just yeah. like you said before with the with in classes and in kitchens, it's a team, and so you know the the team has to has to work together well, and they're they're a great team. Um, and I'm glad to hear that they're they're they helped you throughout your yep. career here at the college, um, for sure. Um, I, I guess I'm curious too. Um, this is just throwing this out after. Throwing it out at the off the cuff here a little bit, but um, you know, outside of baking mm-hmm. and outside of Madison College, what else uh, do you do with your time? Yeah, Kat? you asked me that earlier, and I totally spaced, didn't even tell you. Um, I have a lovely husband of 28 years now, and we've got two beautiful dogs, Lily and Buddy. They are fur balls. They're lovely. <laughs> Great kids. Um, and I work part-time at Wisconsin Cutlery and Kitchen Supply over on University Avenue. Okay. Shameless plug. Absolutely. Um, we sharpen knives, scissors, and garden tools every day of the week except for Sunday. And we sell really cool kitchen gear and knives. So that's what I do in my other life. Okay. Uh, we like to camp. And in the summers, we like to canoe. And yeah, that's... Nice. In a nutshell. Enjoy enjoy the Wisconsin uh, uh, outdoors and mm-hmm. nice. And and do the dogs come camping? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we we train them right away to to like the camper because you know otherwise I'm gonna I gotta find a dog sitter and that gets expensive quick. 
Uh, yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that for sure. So um, it has been lovely talking to you today, Kat. I, I can't imagine how you went from being a picky eater <laughs> to, um, to a, you know, a, a pastry chef, a chef. So I have to ask, is there a, is there a food that, you know, you never thought you would like, or like you can remember like being a kid and thinking this is absolutely gross. And now you like, can't get enough of it or, you know, mm. a food memory like that. Well, golly. I mean, there were so many things that I didn't eat as, <laughs> as a young person. I saw in your bio when you said you were a picky eater, I thought, what? what? How yeah, can that be? I, I can hardly believe it. Um, I didn't eat pizza till I was like 12 and okay. that was like bad skating rink pizza. <laughs> My best friend bullied me into it. She's like, you got to eat pizza. Come on. So I did. I was like, oh, look, it's not that bad. I think I was just, my mother was very kind. I was the last of three children. And so when I was picky, she just was like, okay, fine. I'll just make something that you will eat. And so she didn't push me real hard. And then I met who became my spouse, Jim. And he's like, you got to try this. You got to try this. You got to try this. And he kept kind of badgering me until I did. And so um, something I thought would be gross, sushi. Oh my gosh, I love sushi. I kind of can't get enough. Yeah. Uh, I also love pizza. I love making pizza. Um, there's some, some weird stuff out there. I was surprised that I would ever eat brains right? In a ravioli, it's like, uh, oh, wow, that's stunning. What is going on there? It's a, <laughs> just magic. It doesn't sound like it's much and people are worried about eating them. I, maybe I should be too, but if it tastes good, I'll, I'll try it at least once. I'll try it if you'll try it, right? If someone's trying to get me to try something that's kind of gross, um, that, that uh, I've got to make sure that it's, it's a real thing and not a prank. Yeah. But yeah, bugs, whatever. <laughs> not live ones maybe, but <laughs> I'll try them. Yeah. More the crispy kind that are mm -hmm. already, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have not tried that yet, but you never know. Yep. I try to be open to these things. But, uh, well, thank you for sharing that. I was, I was curious, <laughs> like what, you know, how you went from the picky eater to, to, um, being a chef and, and that, that explains it a little bit. Lots of I, practice yeah. and just, yeah, kind of being badgered into trying new things. And once I got the hang of it, it's like, oh, this isn't so bad. It's probably not going to kill me. So, yeah. <laughs> and do you ever see, see that with students that, that you have students come in that are like, mm, I don't really know about wanting to try that? Um, yes. Uh, usually with dark chocolate. Oh, interesting. We, we work in that first semester with a lot of dark chocolate. I'm like, can we make this with milk chocolate? Mm, no, let's try it with dark chocolate because I know it's going to work. Oh, I don't like dark chocolate. Well, I'm sorry, honey. That's a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe they learn, maybe they don't. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, sometimes they're a little leery about about making new things and trying new things. Mm -hmm. and, but that's also the reason they're here. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. Well, I'm so glad that you are here for the college for our students because you are a fantastic um, uh, instructor and uh, person to be here at the college. And it's clear to me how much you care about your students. I've had many um, chats with you over the, especially the last few semesters, probably mm -hmm. since COVID and, um, and through professional development and other things. And um, I hear nothing but fantastic things about you from your colleagues as well. So um, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I appreciate being asked to share. Thanks so much. And you know, if you ever have some extra, you know, 
things that just maybe students don't want to take home with them. If you want to just bring them up to our CETL office, you know, we're here all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, when, when I first started teaching at the college, my first classroom was directly across from CETL. <laughs> and I used to bring cookies for the students because it was a 730 class, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 730 in the morning. I don't know why, <laughs> but the classroom was right across from CETL and I would take leftovers over to um, Anne. Oh, the sure. secretary who was mm-hmm. working there at the yeah. time. They were they were in love with that. They thought that was great. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe I will see you uh, down in the in the Diane's Delicious Diner or down in the culinary labs in the, in the future. So. Indeed. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Cedal Pie Podcast. Please spread the word about this podcast and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes or other feedback, Connect with me by email at cetl at madisoncollege.edu. I look forward to you joining us next time to peek into excellence with CETL.